Maggie's celeb news, the battle between Neil Young and Spotify, and are sex scenes on screen really needed? We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, where we speak about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and the Bidjigal people are the traditional custodians of the land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we can learn from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So something very big and very unique happened to you this week (laughs) that you've shared with some friends but haven't told the rest of the world yet. What happened to you this weekend? Oh, my God. Okay, Culture Club exclusive. You will never believe who followed me on Instagram this week. The one, the only, Gemma Styles, a.k.a. Harry. I can't even say it out loud. Harry Styles' sister, are you are you kidding me right now? And I got to say she's an incredible woman in her own right, but <sighs> <laughs> shuddering breath. Oh my god! And do you think she followed you for your like sustainable fashion stuff? Mm, like how? how yeah. When did she come across your account? I know. Well, it was so random. She followed me. Where was I when it happened? I always remember this moment. It was literally just like Saturday night and I had posted a TikTok um, and an Instagram reel like a day or two before that was like performing well and it was about slow fashion. So I'm going to put two and two together and think, and I think that's how she found me. But like, what? I even told my mom and she's like, great. Oh, and like you were such a One Direction stand back in the day. Like the biggest. Imagine you're like 14, 15 year old self right now. Oh, like, I, I mean, you're still freaking out, but like imagine yeah. them, like telling them. It's so cute. I literally, yeah. I want to like time travel just to tell her. Be like, it Aww, gets better. <laughs> that's so sweet. Imagine if it was like a butt follow. <laughs> <laughs> like accidentally. Yeah. Um, are you nervous to post now? <laughs> Nah, I gen- like someone asked me that as well. And we're like, are you worried about um posting Harry Styles content? I'm like, one, no, I will be shameless about my love for her brother. And two, I just swear to God, she does not care about <laughs> what yeah. people on Instagram are posting. But anyway, very, very, very nice moment. I feel like our degrees of separation between me and Mrs. Styles is very much closing in. Oh, Watch yeah. your back, Harry. I'm coming. <laughs> Oh my god. Apart from Gemma being your new bestie, um, what else did you get up to over the weekend? Okay, I think I need to let it out at the start of the podcast because 15 minutes before I jumped on mic, I finished the most wild thriller book and I am so on edge, not gonna lie, I'm sitting down recording in my room, but um right before we jumped on this video link, I'm like looking like below my bed, like looking outside my door, just like checking like behind my shoulder every two seconds because I am still freaked out of it. <laughs> what on earth is this book about? Okay, so it's called Verity and it's by Colleen Hoover, who's like super big on TikTok. You might have seen her books. She's written It Ends With Us. But anyway, little old me hadn't heard of her. I was like, oh, yeah, cute thriller. I didn't know how intense it was. 
Jasmine, the things that this woman writes, it's too much. It's too much. Like I felt sickened while reading it. Yeah. What's the plot line? So it's kind of about this very famous writer who writes a series of like thriller books, which just feels very parallel to the writer, the author of the actual books, might I add. But anyway, after a series of unfortunate incidents, um, she's in an accident which leaves her unable to write, which brings in our like protagonist who is this other writer and she gets asked to finish off this book series for her. Basically, she gets like she goes into this woman's house and she's got her sexy husband (laughs) living there Um, and she's asked to take over writing the books but as she starts doing her research she uncovers really terrible things. Ooh, I mean I am intrigued even if it's scary. It is a bit sexy as well I gotta say so Zara McDonald recommended it on Shameless. She failed to (laughs) mention that it's a scary book I swear. (laughs) She's just like oh it's got sex in it and I was like oh fun but um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay but aside from that thank you for letting me get that off my chest. What else did you do this weekend? Not too much but one thing I did make sure to do was watch Ash Barty smash it in the Australian Open last night it was so amazing um I feel like as a country we really needed that and like you and I aren't particularly sporty people like I think sometimes Australia's culture with sport is like Mm. so toxic but like sometimes it's just nice to like celebrate a young girl who is at the peak of a career and smashing out world number one and Australian. Incredible, right? I cannot believe she's 25 years old. Such an incredible player to watch. Like I only tuned in about like halfway through the game, but just watching her in her element, like, you know, I don't enjoy sport that much, but I adored watching that game. There was one moment where I was like a bit nervous for her, like halfway through. I was like, oh, God, the Danielle Collins was really kind of getting the upper hand. But, yeah, of course, she came through. So it's her third major singles title because she won the 2019 French Open and Wimbledon in 2020. And she broke a 44-year-old drought for Australian women in the women's singles. Wild. I can't. And then I just... Yep, you're reading out that those stats made me realize that yeah, 22 years old, she won the French Open. What? Um, props to her. She is. She makes me feel so like lucky and proud to be Australian. Love the TikTok that I sent you earlier. That says every bit of anti-Australian sentiment leaving my body the second Ash Barty steps onto the court. <laughs> incredible honestly um she restores my faith in this country (laughs) alrighty so last week jazz you made or I outed you you made the confession (laughs) that you hadn't actually watched euphoria properly do you have an update for us this week I do. I've been watching it every night. I've been binging it, even though you said not to. So I'm about to finish the first season. I've got like one episode left and then those two specials in between. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've got to catch up on season two. So I'm not going to get, I might watch one more tonight, but um, I'm not going to catch up in time for the new episode tomorrow. But regardless, I understand the characters a bit more now and 
Yeah, nearly seen season one, which from what I've seen online, people are saying it's better than season two anyway. So I'm trying oh. to like enjoy it as much as I can. Yeah, I've seen some takes that are like season two is getting a bit like a bit too fantasy and um, mm, right. like the, the characters aren't really developing. I don't know. Okay. Um, I actually do really enjoy season two as well. So I feel like that's nice also. No, like it doesn't get like totally trashed or it doesn't go downhill. But I'm glad that you've caught up so quickly. That is like quite a feat. <laughs> Especially because they're hour long episodes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I am really enjoying it. But there was such high expectations that, you know, it's hard to match up to like what everyone was saying but it's very intense very emotional and I'm very invested in the characters so can't fault it I know and like we mentioned last time I feel like it's really creating so many stars and bringing out all these um, incredible talented actors and actresses to our forefront one of which I have to say is Sydney Sweeney she plays Cassie she is incredible Um, I should actually mention she's 24 years old and she's also been in White Lotus, The Handmaid's Tale, and had a small role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So she's really rising up in the ranks. Yeah, she is incredible. And she's actually opened up about her mixed feelings around being nude in Euphoria. So if you've seen it, you know that there are quite a few sex scenes and Cassie in particular has a lot of nude scenes as well. Yeah, it was so cute. I mean, yeah, it's actually quite cute. I'll stand by that. She um, has talked about this before, but recently in an interview with The Telegraph, she was talking about how she like forgot to tell her dad that she was in euphoria. So he's sitting down with her two grandparents watching it and after literally the first five seconds slams it shut because she is just nude having sex um without any warning <laughs> how embarrassing yeah as if you would forget to tell your dad that you're in like this major hbo tv show <laughs> like that's so crazy to me oh my god and her character i would say is i mean quite sexualized and a lot of her storyline revolves around relationships and sex right so i kind of found it interesting i mean silly me obviously actors and their characters are separate but you know, the show's rampant nudity actually turned Sydney like off the show. She actually ignored the show's first audition request because of that. Wow. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Does it explain why she then decides to take it? Like was the nudity toned down? Yeah, in the Telegraph piece, she kind of goes on to say, you know, she like looked more into like why they have the sex scenes and how like mm. real it was. It wasn't all filtered and glamorized. That's what she said changed her mind about it. Later in the piece, she also talks more about herself being sexualized by the media and the audience. And she talks about specifically her larger breasts, which literally form up so much of like the public opinion around her, honestly. I'll read out a bit of her quote now. I developed my boobs very young. I think in sixth grade, I already had 32 double Ds. And when you are young with boobs, you aren't looked at the same way. And you're not treated the same by girls or guys. Although girls are the worst. It's not the same experience. Sometimes people don't look past your body. Mm-mm-mm. I feel that every bloody word she says. So mm. if you haven't seen a picture of me, uh, listeners, I have really big boobs. <laughs> Um, and Pink. I've actually, oh, 
Um, I've written about it a few times. So once for Fashion Journal and most recently back in May for Pedestrian TV when Billie Eilish fronted Vogue UK and it was just so refreshing to see a celebrity on Vogue whose breasts were like kind of like a very prominent part of the picture. And it kind of delves into the fact that one, Sydney Sweeney is one of my style icons to look for with bigger boobs. And also about the fact that a lot of the time in fashion, big boobs aren't taken into consideration, even though everyone is like, oh, everyone wants big boobs. Um, They're not taken into consideration and they're not considered high fashion at all. Like they're considered sexualized and you can be super sexualized from a young age, but it's not fashionable, I think. So I'll read a bit of the quote out. Just a few years ago, the same magazine who put a curvy Billie Eilish on the cover also held a Twitter poll asking users, is the cleavage over? In response to Kathleen Baird Murray's article, Desperately Seeking Cleavage, as if they're an accessory we can remove at the end of the day instead of kilograms worth of heavy tissue that strain your back. After days of backlash and BuzzFeed think pieces, the Fashion Bible came out to say that they didn't mean it that way. They were just asking which style of top is popular this season. Regardless, the discourse stung as bigger busted women were reminded, you'll never be Vogue fashionable. Naomi Campbell is fashionable. Gigi Hadid is fashionable. Kate Moss walking down the runway with her nipples out is fashionable. Not an F cup, grotesquely bulging in front of everyone's faces. Even Posh Spice knew this fashion secret. The English pop star got breast implants in the late 90s before removing them as soon as she made her foray into high fashion. So that's why when I see Sydney Sweeney like dress up for red carpets or on these talk shows in these dresses that actually look nice and well-fitting, it is so refreshing to see. And I'm so glad that she's talking about the sexualization of big boobs. Like even if you just exist with big boobs, like I can't walk around without a bra on like in the street because my boobs are like (laughs) bloody everywhere (laughs) or (laughs) If I wear like a bikini with an open top, like it's like I'm asking for looks and stares, whatever. So anyway, Mm. I'm just glad that she's speaking about it in the mainstream because like how many other celebrities have big boobs like that, but who are also, that's what my piece kind of gets into is like, I don't consider myself plus size at all. I'm a size 12, a 10 to 12, which is like straight size, right? Mm. So it's refreshing to see a mid-sized straight-sized person with bigger boobs like rising the ranks of Hollywood completely um thank you for reading out some of your piece love that one so proud of Sydney for speaking up about this too um it must be so hard to have so much of yourself and so much of your body like literally put out for everybody to see and therefore scrutinize um like again it's not just her breasts that we're seeing as well like there's a lot of her body that um I I don't want to say exposed but is shown on euphoria so she actually had another interview come out with the independent and here she spoke about the double standards of an actress getting naked versus an actor getting naked um it was so interesting so one of the quotes that she said was When a guy has a sex scene or shows his body, he still wins awards and gets praise. But the moment a girl does it, it's completely different. She also says that she's never felt uncomfortable shooting Euphoria because there's an intimacy coordinator on set. 
I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been hearing more and more about intimacy coordinators the past couple of years because I would always wonder, like, how do they make the sex scene look so real? Like, they must just be having sex. <laughs> but it's oh, actually, yeah. like, a whole job. Um, I saw there was a lot of press around it when Normal People was released. Normal People, 100%. Um, and also, just got to say a little side bite here. Sorry to anyone who thought we were cancelling Sally Rooney's book with our last episode title we had some instagram comments which was very funny because we named our um episode why are we cancelling normal people so yes confirming that sally rooney is safe (laughs) for now when you wrote that i was like oh i think of the book but i was like no one else will like think of it that way (laughs) whoops the sally rooney girlies are coming (laughs) (laughs) sorry what were you saying Uh, about sydney sweeney again sam Levinson, who's a screenwriter, is amazing, she says, describing times where she's told him that there are moments where Cassie was supposed to be shirtless, but she didn't think it was necessary. Yeah, so it's really great that he was open and that he listened to her requests there. Um, But in that interview, she kind of disclosed some other negative experiences she's had on other TV shows and movies, saying... I've had experiences where I want to go home and scrub myself completely raw because I feel disgusting. I didn't feel comfortable with my castmate or the crew and I didn't and I just didn't feel like my character would be doing it. That made me even more self-conscious. I didn't feel like I was able to speak up. Hmm. That's awful. And that's, you think mm. she would have been even younger then, like yeah. 1920. That's so bad. Oh, and Jazz, I want to bring up another Euphoria actress. You haven't met her yet because she comes in season two, um, but the character's name is Faye and she is played by Chloe Cherry, who is an adult film actress and sex worker. Um, And she actually spoke to ID Magazine recently about how her sex work experience has helped her with acting, which I think kind of lends itself to that like intimacy coordinator role that you're talking about. Like it's so important to have people knowledgeable in the industry like working Mm. on films and tv shows that depict sex so just to quote her a little bit she says acting in adult films was important training for me believe it or not there's a lot of improvising in porn too I think Hollywood has learned that you can and should cast sex workers, especially for sex scenes. Actors with non-traditional backgrounds are getting accepted more and it's way less boring and way more authentic. It really doesn't matter what somebody did outside of Hollywood or outside their formal acting career. Mm. I think Sydney's quotes kind of talk about the necessity of sex scenes in movies and TV shows like Do they add much to the plot and especially when the show revolves around minors like in Euphoria, do you think, like, what do you think of it? Do you think that sex scenes are necessary? Um, I am kind of on the fence with this one. I definitely think there's no, like, hard or fast rule. Like, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Like, yes, some TV shows and movies, I do think sex scenes are important. But others, I'm like, this is just, like, the director's leery eye and Mm. this was not needed. Um, For instance, I would say that we are both – sex positive and we're we're not shaming people for enjoying sex or doing doing sex having sex (laughs) Um, and there's nothing wrong or like dirty about sex scenes if Mm. everyone involved is treated properly um and I think there are some benefits like we've seen like you mentioned normal people everyone praised that for its sex scenes and I think sex education has been Mm. done really really well where like it's almost 
include it where it's more inclusive and maybe even educational for some of the viewers watching it is that a stretch I don't think so but um I love like it's interesting that we're using sex education and normal people as examples of when sex on screen is done well comparing it to euphoria sometimes it can feel a bit icky Mm. and the interesting distinction is that sex education and normal people are British and Irish um and euphoria is American I feel like sometimes Hollywood has like a very glamorized either glamorized or violent depictions Mm. of sex whereas Mm. I think the UK or other countries like we were saying in love me I think love me on binge that we both chatted about last week I thought that was really realistic and nice it Mm. didn't feel like we were being voyeurs it felt like a nice depiction um but yeah sometimes in American tv shows it's almost graphic yeah that's so true and you kind of mentioned violence there as well like violent depictions Mm. of sex almost and I almost feel like this rule applies to very violent graphic scenes of like violence I'm saying not even sex so do you know when movies just are super super glory for almost like like unnessary reasons Mm. I just like how much do we really need to see like implications of sex or whatever still get the point across I don't want to be a prude I don't think I'm prudish here but I'm just like sometimes I'm like why or is this doing more damage than it is doing good yeah especially when you're watching with family like sometimes when you see like they're going to about to have sex or something and then they end up closing the door or like it it cuts the next morning I'm like oh thank god like we still know (laughs) what happened and like the plot has moved forward and whoever it is but like we don't have to see everything (laughs) and like you said like we're quite sex positive but yeah yeah and also like we were saying in Hollywood sex sells so Mm -hmm. sometimes like a lot of the reviews of euphoria are like it's teenagers like having sex and taking drugs and it's so crazy so you know sometimes that is part of the appeal Yeah, like is it almost just giving the people what they want and, you know, we shouldn't chide people for that? Um, You know, like you will not believe, you know, how many Google searches for things like hottest TV sex scenes or like best sex scenes in movies um, there are because that is super, super popular. And, like, that's not something that we're shaming people for enjoying, of course, but it's, yeah, again, I'm on the fence. Spotify has made headlines this week after two influential artists, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, both announced that they're taking their music off the streaming service. Yeah, what a week. Um, This has actually been in response to COVID-19 misinformation spread by number one podcaster and generally vile human Joe Rogan. Founded in Sweden in 2006, Spotify as we all know, is now one of the most popular music and podcast streaming services in the world. According to our stats, you're most likely listening to us on Spotify right now. One thing to note about this whole ordeal is that on May 19, 2020, Joe Rogan announced that he had signed a multi-year licensing deal with Spotify that's worth an estimated $100 million, making it one of the largest licensing agreements in the podcast business. The deal is to exclusively host Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. 
Now, this show has around 11 million listeners and has actually been known for spreading false information and misleading claims regarding the pandemic and vaccination. Do you even know what his podcast was about? No, I just, uh, it's just so, it's just all I know is there's the biggest red flag if anyone listens to Joe Rogan. Mm. I am sorry. I also want to like double down on the point that his offer is $100 million USD. So in Australia, oh that is like, you know, almost doubled, which is redonkadonk. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I actually use that word like kind of bit in normal life. <laughs> But whatever crap he does speak, it has um, garnered a lot of backlash and rightfully so. So doctors, scientists, healthcare workers and epidemiologists have been calling for his show to be removed for months. Some doctors even created a petition for Spotify to stop hosting him and over 270 healthcare workers signed the petition stating... Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Joe Rogan has repeatedly spread misleading and false claims on his podcast, provoking distrust in science and medicine. They described what the podcast has been doing as a, quote, sociological issue of devastating proportions, and Spotify is responsible for allowing this activity to thrive on its platform. It called on Spotify to immediately establish a clear and public policy to moderate misinformation on its platform because although Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform, the company at the time of recording has no misinformation policy, which sites like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram all have. So another walking red flag, (laughs) a.k.a. right-wing psychologist Jordan Peterson, was interviewed on the Joe Rogan Experience um, just a few days ago, and he just spewed straight-up lies about climate change, which is just incredible because, remember, he is also a massive, massive voice in the in the right-wing space. So it's easy. I just want to laugh at these quotes, but then it's also shocking that so many people would believe it just because it's coming out of his mouth as well. Um, Do you want to tell me your favourite thing that he said? Mm, We'd love to. Just note that this is not misinformation (laughs) from us. We're just quoting this crazy, crazy quote. Peterson says, there's no such thing as climate, right? And then went on to mock climate types who he said typically suggests that climate is about everything. I'm sorry, climate is about everything. (laughs) Without the climate, there's no everything else. Yeah, and he literally said, what's the difference between the environment and everything? There's no difference. And if you're kind of confused trying to follow this along, like same here, I think that's kind of the point. Um, And Joe Rogan is like known for having lots of different voices and opinions on his podcast. But while I think listening to people is one thing, I think like endorsing them and not kind of challenging their views is completely dangerous. So he didn't rebuke the claims that um, Jordan was making. He just kind of, you know, essentially endorsed the waffling remarks. In another three-hour-long episode, which is exclusive to Spotify, Joe Rogan interviews the widely criticized scientist Robert Malone, who makes a wide variety of medical claims about vaccines, including that a, quote, third of the population have become hypnotized through mass formation psychosis, as if we're in Nazi Germany and totally wrapped up in whatever Fauci's and Dr. Fauci in the mainstream media feeds them. This is exclusive on Spotify, number one podcast, like 
three hours long. Just say whatever the fuck you want because there's no misinformation policy. And then 11 million people are listening to this. I honestly can't believe it. And we're to segue. How does Neil Young fit into all of this? Why are we putting him in the same bracket as Joe Rogan? So with Joe Rogan, you know, downplaying the vaccines and spreading COVID misinformation, Neil Young, who has received several Grammys, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has inducted him twice. He's been named number 34 on the Rolling Stones list of the 100 greatest musical artists. He has stated in an open letter to his management team and record label that he would pull his music from the platform unless they took action against Rogan. Neil Young said, I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. It's also interesting to note that he is a survivor of childhood polio. So when he was five years old, he was diagnosed with it and he battled the life-threatening disease. And though he recovered, he has a slight limp because of it. And I mean, this is another reason why he's a massive advocate for vaccines. He recently wrote on his website, quote, I was vaccinated for polio at my school in Canada. Nothing new about vaccines. They have been there for a long time. Like me, trust science. Such cute vibes. So cute. Yeah, and I think that is what, that's why I think it's important that these older musicians Mm. as well are kind of making these big statements because you and I have never lived in a world with polio. Like most diseases that have been, you know, cured by vaccines, we only have because people like him had to live through this time and you know get sick and they develop vaccine rah, rah, rah. like I think sometimes it's very ignorant for young people to not believe in vaccines because we are actually very privileged and lucky to have lived in a country that we haven't had these illnesses like running rampant like polio and tuberculosis and things like that mm, completely I'm even grateful that I never got chickenpox because of the vaccine so yay what I didn't get a vaccine chickenpox Oh, well, in the wow. two years <laughs> yeah. since that, break us, that, that split us apart. <laughs> so after Neil had that public letter, Spotify didn't really say anything, but his music was taken down on Wednesday. And reports say that Spotify lost $4 billion in market value since then. Yeah, so his own music and discography is gone. Um, I looked up neil young on spotify and the only thing available is music from like movies and tv shows and the live aid concert so things that he probably doesn't have the full rights to are still available but his own discography is gone so with neil young taking his music down 60s folk singer Joni Mitchell, famous for her songs big yellow taxi river and many more announced that she plans to follow suit So in a brief statement posted on Joni's website on Friday, she said, irresponsible people are spreading lies that are costing people their lives. I stand in solidarity with Neil Young and the global scientific and medical communities on this issue. I've seen a lot more people talking about the fact that Joni Mitchell is leaving Spotify than Neil Young. Um, Some of the TikTok girlies I follow have you know, been saying that they listen to Joni Mitchell all the time. She's obviously a very emotive artist, very influential. Um, so, yeah, I think this is having a bigger impact on some people than others. 
Yeah, I saw a tweet that said something like, I despise this world that has made Joni Mitchell aware of Joe Rogan. Like mm. these two shouldn't have ever crossed paths. Um, but yeah, big, big moves. And Spotify has come out with a statement. We'll read it here now. We want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With that comes great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom for creators. We have detailed content policies in place and we've removed over 20,000 podcast episodes related to COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. We regret Neil's decision to remove his music, sorry, we regret Neil's decision to remove his music from Spotify but hope to welcome him back soon. But how are they like removing these podcast episodes but then they let like a three-hour podcast episode up with like someone saying that we're all being brainwashed and like we're basically back in Nazi Germany? Like you're right because those 20,000 podcast episodes that have been removed don't stack up to the 11 million listeners that Joe Rogan has, right? So this almost feels like lip service or it's quite performative because, yeah, it's great that they're removing some podcast episodes, but look at the ones with the most traction. Like they're doing the most damage. Mm. Do you think that two influential yet boomer, baby boomer artists leaving a streaming platform is enough for young people to go off the platform? Like, I'm not planning on um, getting rid of my subscription anytime soon because I use it all day, every day. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Are you going to get rid of yours? Like what do we do here? Well, I don't think so. Like I, sorry, I personally won't be. I find this very interesting and I'll see how Spotify continues Mm. to, I guess, deal with the situation. But the thing is like, I understand boy, like boycotts aren't probably my favorite form of protest because if they lose a few listeners, a few subscribers, who knows what that would mark that down as like, oh, maybe these Gen X can't afford it this month or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. I wonder if that would be a big enough stand, but I don't know if that's kind of self-centered to have that like solo thought. Whereas like if Mm. we're all having this thought and we all collectively do something, Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I feel the same. I think I'm definitely watching the situation and we'll see if Spotify makes any more changes to their policies. But I read this quote in the LA Times, which I found very interesting. So it's by Natasha Chenna, the editor-in-chief of the Harvard Kennedy School Misinformation Review, which actually studies platforms and misinformation policies. And Natasha said, if we're thinking about Spotify five years ago, it was just a hosting service for audio. Four years ago, Spotify could say, well, you know, we're just hosting this content. Now you can't make that argument anymore because you're paying Joe Rogan's salary. Such a good point. I found it um, quite surprising, to be honest, that Pete Evans' podcast has been removed from Spotify. Um, He's the Australian that's known for his um, massive COVID conspiracy theories. And yeah, he was removed because he was spreading COVID misinformation. He also said that there was no warning at all for his removal. But on the other hand, Joe Rogan has said about Spotify, quote, Spotify has asked me to change nothing. They've never. They've been amazing. I'm very happy with them. I'm very happy. Especially when you tell me things like interviews that you do get removed off YouTube. That's not happening to me. Just going back to what we were saying about 
kind of boycotting, I saw another take by comedian Gian Marco, and that says, Liberals are under the illusion that Spotify removing Joe Rogan, which they will never do, somehow solves the problem of misinformation when the real issue has and will always be our education system, which is currently focused on banning literature about the Holocaust. And I believe that's in America, not in Australia. They continue, of course, the platforming would make for less listeners, but the specific people everyone's concerned about, the ones getting their medical advice from a podcast, they're not doing that because it's on Spotify. People would rather get a podcast banned from Spotify than talk to their weird cousin who brings up Joe Rogan too much. Yeah, interesting to see like the another take on this and that kind of like we have to be having these conversations around like why like this maybe kind of boycotting Spotify is like a band-aid solution like mm. why are people going to Spotify and you know Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson for COVID information misinformation anyway rather than from the health advice I still wouldn't mind Spotify kicking him off his platform, but that's Mm. so completely right. Like conspiracy theorists or whatever you want to call them will always find a way to seek community and to like find other people like them. Who validate their beliefs. So apart from that scary Colleen Hoover book, what else have you been consuming this week? I must say it is also a kind of creepy listen. I don't know what type of genre I'm getting into in 2022, but here we are. I'm recommending a podcast called Something Was Wrong, and it is an award-winning true crime docuseries. And it was actually recommended to me by Alicia, who is a founder of sex care brand Rosewell. Uh, She recommended this after I recommended the podcast Sweet Bobby on here. Um, That's a podcast about catfishing if you have been like a listener of culture club before it's such a good podcast series um but anyway something was wrong about i've listened to the first season which follows a woman called sarah and she was engaged to someone who she thought was the christian man of her dreams but a week before the wedding things start to unravel so Through interviews with Sarah herself, as well as like family members and others close to her, we learn more about her sociopathic fiancé and the ways he was able to control their relationship. So, of course, the show needs a trigger warning as it tackles abusive relationships through specifically coercive control, I would say. Um, There isn't anything graphic or physical um, that's mentioned, so... Yeah, just wanted to put that out there as well. Uh, the host of the show, Tiffany, also embeds her personal experiences of having a sociopath for a father. So it adds another layer to this story as well. I also found it interesting hearing it from like a Christian woman's perspective. Um, it kind of was interesting to see how a sociopath used religion to manipulate someone. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's a really eye-opening I would say listen um of course it's not easy subject matter and it is quite sensitive but it's also nice to know that this is after she got out of the relationship and you know the way she talks about it it's it can be quite humorous or whatever because luckily she is like safe now um but yeah how many episodes is it 
it's like 12 episodes so um, not long but like it does drag on near the end like some of them are like there's a few q and a's and it it gets quite long but it's a it's a really great listen Hmm, might put it on my list (laughs) um and what are you going to be recommending for us this week so as we all know, I have been binging Euphoria, so I haven't had much time for anything else. The only other thing that I started this week, I'm so, so late to the party, um, but that is Succession. So if you've also been living under a rock like me, Succession centers on the Roy family, which are a fictional dysfunctional family who own Waystar Royco, which is a global media and entertainment conglomerate. And... The whole family is basically fighting for control of the company amid uncertainty around the health of the family's patriarch, Logan Roy. Have you seen this? I haven't, but every single media girly and boy (laughs) love (laughs) this show. Yeah. So I've watched about four episodes so far and it's taking a little while to get into, but like once you're in it, it is very, very well written, very funny, smart, quick. Um also feels like watching another world in terms of like it was filmed the first season's filmed in 2018 so pre-pandemic and like everyone's wearing suits to the office and it's that kind of like (laughs) hustle like fast paced life that we all lived um beforehand especially you know being in new york around this family um so it's actually said to be based on the murdoch family and the murdoch empire which is very interesting there are four Roy children, all with very distinct personalities that are grown adults now. But, um, yeah, they're all kind of like fighting for the company. And it's also produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, who did Don't Look Up and The Big Short, which are two very, very mm. good films. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, I couldn't personally binge it. We were watching like one episode a night, which is still like quite fast. But anyway, yeah, couldn't watch more than one episode because it's like very like – um jargon heavy and like sometimes it can just feel a bit heavy but it's nice Mm. in bite-sized doses so there you go yeah everyone's talking about this when they had their weekly drops like season two or whatever hoofed every every week it was like the euphoria but for the adults (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. for like gen x (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but i'm glad you're enjoying that yeah well thanks for another fun episode yay and thanks for tuning in everybody um we also see your spotify review stars that you've been giving us so mm-hmm. really speaking appreciate spotify. that oh yes yeah, spotify <laughs> um but yes we hope you have a lovely week ahead um sending our love to you as well <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week bye-bye bye